0: where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I've got Slim Jim Breath.
1: I'm just a nasty boy, living in a lonely world.
2: Well, <laughs> uh, oh, you hit a note there.
0: <laughs> welcome, welcome to episode 152, Slamboree 1995. A Legends reunion. Ooh. Yes, Legends. It's our favorite.
2: Can't wait. I mean, we've seen more laborious Legends reunions. Yes. So,
0: there's that.
1: There is that. There's thankfully only one Legends match. Instead of the three or four that we've seen on previous shows.
0: I think we got three the first year, two the second year, and now we've hit one. Maybe they're starting to notice that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. i feel like that the other ones were all just well, tommy rich of, tommy so... rich versus uh x and tommy <laughs> rich was just basically doing his like roll thing and it's then like that. looking very very oh, loose wildfire.
0: Oh, wildfire it's either that or they don't have any legends that can still go yeah yeah, that,
2: yeah that wildfire uh, has been put down put down
0: by torrential rain pour at this point <laughs> it's uh it's just smoldering But this was the third annual Slambery produced by WCW. It took place on May 21st, 1995 at the Bayfront Arena in St. Petersburg, Florida, with an attendance of 7,000 people. Mm.
1: I graduated high school that weekend. Woo!
0: Woo -woo. (laughs) Woo-woo. Adult shame. Yeah. But we are in St. Petersburg, Florida. Yeah, we are. So, what kind of thing <laughs> did you bring us this week?
1: Well, we're in Florida, but we're in St. Petersburg, and it's not a huge town to where it has the uh, list of signature beverages and sandwiches It's and not whatnot. Tampa,
2: it's not Miami. Yes,
1: and it is a WCW show, so I figured... Let's have something to drink.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. It's like, yeah. WCW show can't hurt to add alcohol. Exactly. Especially yeah, in 1995.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I believe I chose something that Matthew is not a, a big fan of. I mean,
2: it was beer. Yeah, it's beer. Matt doesn't like beer. Yeah. It's okay.
1: I figured I would uh, see what the most popular beer in Florida is, and it is served up in a nice green bottle, white label. With some red and gold, it is makes the... me want to
2: chip, chip, chip a golf ball. <laughs> Just looking at
1: it, is it the the douchiest of douche beers, or
2: I think maybe it was at one point. I don't know what that would be now. Yeah. I think maybe like a Michelob... now Michelob Ultra.
1: There you go, not White Claw. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yes, for this one that we went the with bad. the uh, <laughs> most popular beer in Florida, which is the Stella Artois.
2: Yeah. Uh... Uh,
1: it I is have a premium lager. That's about all I know about it other than uh, Matt took a sip and then picked up his bottle and carried it into the kitchen <laughs> and came back with a, a little peanut butter and jelly sandwich to rid his mouth of the taste.
2: I like it. I don't drink these kinds of beers regularly, but it tastes like similar to a Heineken yeah. or a Moosehead. It's a skunky, what people called a skunky beer back in the day. I don't think people really drink these shits anymore, but yeah. I'm uh, quite enjoying it in a maybe nostalgic way. Exactly.
1: It's, you know, a, a legend it's a type of a beer
2: it's a, it's a legendary beer like in a world pre
0: <laughs> it's a reunion yes with
2: you. exactly in a, in a world pre Pre-craft. craft beer like Stella Artois was like nice yes and, and now I... it's like oh you spent extra money on a Budweiser in a craft know, pre-world
1: there was Stella
0: yeah there you go but something that would happen right around the same time as Slamboree 95 Braveheart would be released the next week into theaters as i was
2: reading this on the um the notes i was like man braveheart what a huge movie you know what braveheart was a watershed movie i in the same way like that the matrix was i think braveheart was the matrix of like 95 where it was parodied so much and then there was so many more not necessarily sword and sorcery but like those like night type of movies that we're still getting today oh, yeah, but like I feel like this was the first one that like really hit hard enough to where we continued to get them so that was just a thought I had and uh you know it some people might not agree but I, I feel like it kind of shakes out oh yeah
1: I mean it took me a long time to see it I I didn't see it until after it was released on video and
2: I feel like that's when it to... really came alive too.
1: Oh yeah, I was I was working at Blockbuster when it came out on video and
2: double VHS. Yes,
1: I hated those damn
2: things. Yeah, they
0: were the worst. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. And this became a total like cable HBO classic for sure. Yeah, I mean nobody
1: I don't think anybody ever would have predicted Mel Gibson to you know direct and win an Oscar for. Any movie really um
0: i love this movie won best picture best director best cinematography makeup and sound effects editing
2: you know what i do uh not agree with a lot of uh the things that mel gibson has said i don't believe that he agrees with a lot of the things that he's said when uh, uh in the last handful of years with controversy surrounding the human but i love mel gibson i love the movies he's directed I think Apocalypto is a masterpiece that nobody talks about enough. Um, And he continues to act in movies that people don't see and does a great job. But at one point, he was our biggest star. Oh, yeah. I mean... And this is one of the things, like, we had Lethal Weapon, but then this guy comes out and is, like, makes a movie that's for everybody, but also, like, it's for everybody to where it plays in... A home that doesn't watch the Oscars and also plays in a home of people that have like more snooty
0: film tastes, yes. and it just
2: like it's like oh, it's just a a watershed moment.
0: Yeah, i was just looking over the best picture nominees from that year. Let's but hear them.
1: let me see if I can remember some of them. We had
0: it's a very eclectic group. I'm interested.
1: I don't remember if The Usual Suspects was nominated for best picture. It was not.
0: Yeah. That oh, was, that's a crime. Neither was Leaving Las Vegas. I haven't seen. We had Mr. Holland's Opus. Nope, Nope. that's the next year. No, it was because Dreyfus was nominated for best actor this year. Okay, who did we have this year? Sense and Sensibility. That's right. Il Postino. Uh, Ah, the the Postman.
2: Oh, I never saw the Postman, but that's Kevin Costner, baby. No. Oh, sorry. This one was uh, an Italian. It was an Italian. Okay, I'm thinking of that weird Kevin Costner. Yeah, Yeah. different one, the Postman.
0: Babe, ah,
2: that's Babe right. is an incredible movie. And
0: Apollo is, it, it is an also, incredible. And Apollo thirteen, it is also an Apollo thirteen.
2: Apollo thirteen, great movie. Babe, I can't believe it was up for Best Picture. That rule exactly. Was, but, I mean, I can believe it because the movie legitimately is that good. But uh, to tie it back to Mel Gibson, Babe is directed. It's not directed by George Miller, but George Miller head, headed the project, got it put into production, and basically like was so involved with it that the director.
0: Chris was, Noonan.
2: Chris Noonan was pretty pissed off because George Miller's like, Well, why did not you just fucking direct it? Because he wanted to, essentially, because it was his idea. He read the book because his kid but had he, it. And he, he was like, the, I'll make wrote
0: it. wrote the screenplay. But, Noonan did.
2: But George Miller put, is why Mel Gibson kind of became Mel Gibson because he put him in Mad Max and Road Warrior and Thunderdome. And mm-hmm. um, you want to see a weird, really weird. Filmography. Look up George Miller's filmography. (laughs) It's very good. It is
0: very weird and very good. Very good.
2: Yeah, he mean he made Lorenzo's Oil and Babe Two. He directed, came back and directed Babe Two, Pig in the City, one of the most unhinged and enjoyable movies I've ever seen. It's incredibly weird.
1: Yeah, this was the the year of the Oscars where the independents were getting ready to really move in because the next year was when you had like Shine and Sling Blade and Fargo
2: yeah basically this this movie kind of this year this year kind of skips the like pulp fiction essence almost yeah and it's like oh everybody had to take a year off or whatever to catch up and be actually influenced by that because movies take so long to make with uh, post-production and all that and it's like oh well next year when like cohen's come on the scene and stuff it's like oh well, like here's this yeah, new this year, wave of Americans. i mean there was a lot of good
1: movies this year or that year because i mean you had the usual Suspect,
0: was, is a... you had <laughs> dead man walking
1: you had leaving las vegas mr yep. holland's opus
0: which mr holland's opus makes me cry every time mm-hmm.
2: i saw it in the theater with my grandma and i don't know that i've seen it since then i remember the kid being deaf and uh yeah, I haven't All seen it since. Was Bridges of attention. Madison
0: County. Oh, some, some uh, Casino. Casino. Right.
2: Casino is just as good as the good as Goodfellas. Twelve just, Monkeys. Just put it out on Rob tape.
0: Roy Nixon.
2: Primal Fear. I miss uh, when you could have
0: Toy Story. Toy oh Story yeah. Comes, Toy Story comes out later this year. Ninety-five. Uh, I have
2: a very mi- vivid uh, memory of waiting in a line completely wrapped around Seven. a
0: standalone. Theater to go see. Of 95. I think it's. Mm, Toy Story.
1: No, it came out in '95. Fall a, of '95.
0: Are You sure? Because well, yeah. no, I thought
1: it was after. Well, I mean, is it it it, was after 12 yeah. Monkeys uh, Yeah. Yeah, so, that's I mean it came out in the fall of '95.
2: Aren't the '95 oh, okay. uh, yeah. Oscars basically '94 movies?
0: The '95 Oscars is for '94 movies, but oh, okay. this is the. No- okay, yeah, I got you. '96 Oscar or '96 Oscars? For yeah. Looking back to. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I got it. I got it. Jurassic Park is 95, too, right? Ninety.
0: No, it was 94. Oh, uh, okay. 7 was a
1: 95 movie. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I remember going in, I I went with my nephew, and he's four years younger had than seven me. Seven. And like you need to have an adult. Like, I'm 18 years yeah. old. I say this all
2: <laughs> the time, but, like, in, like, 98, one of the highest grossing movies in the United States was as good as it gets. That'll never happen again and hasn't happened since. With the exception of, like, mamma mia but that's like a really bizarre happening now and something had to try and take down that's never going to happen again as good as it gets gets put on like netflix and nobody watches it and netflix says that everybody on the planet watched it twice because <laughs> <laughs> they're bullshit anyway
1: 95 good year for movies y'all
2: yeah a bunch of brave hard ass mm-hmm.
1: fighting for freedom
2: that'll do pig That'll do. I mean, that line I still, delivery... I, still, that, I, I quote that line
0: all the time. I mean,
2: that line delivery is so... That movie, seriously, guys. Mm-hmm. It's so good.
1: I mean, I worked at Blockbuster, so that was one of the ones that was constantly on repeat Yeah, in, the,
2: in the little kid's corner. Holds up so well. I wanted to hear it. Funny fact, E.G. Daly, the voice of Tommy Pickles, mm-hmm. does the voice of Babe in the first Babe movie. In the second movie, I can't remember the name of the person, but the voice that does... Chucky in the Rugrats does the voice of Babe in Babe Too Big in the City. Weird fun fact. <laughs> E.G. Daly. E.G. Daly of yeah. uh, Pee Wee's Big, Big Adventure, Adventure. fame, yeah. and she also had like I think at least put out like one pop album. She yeah. tried to do like a little Madonna thing at one point. A little she Madonna was Phoebe's, thing.
1: Phoebe's singing partner back in the uh, the Friends days. She's trying to remember what movie it is, but she's like Valley a pop Girl. Star she's, in, she's
2: in Valley Girl. She's she's singing
1: in some dance scene in like a classic eighties movie. Like oh, Pretty know. in Pink or something like that. Okay.
2: I know she's in Valley Girl. She's one of the friends in Valley Girl. Yeah. But she's a very distinctive looking person as well, so if you see her, you know her. There needs to be more of her. Old Egg Daily.
0: That's right. Well let's move on to Slamberie. We get highlights of the superstars of yesterday. The mega stars of today, and the legends of tomorrow, are shown with narration before the logo comes on the screen.
2: Some of those legends are still wrestling today.
0: Is that why Sting is a legend of tomorrow in this? Because he's still wrestling today.
2: <laughs> he had some. He had some time off, which was scary when he came back. Because I was like, "Didn't you? Didn't Seth Rollins break your back not too long ago?"
0: I just thought that was funny because like, <laughs> yeah. he's supposed to be probably your. Homegrown star, homegrown star, and he's a legend of tomorrow. And he's, and been, he's been a champion multiple times. <laughs> I know Sting is, is in a, your is, company for yeah. seven years
2: is now. More than that, <laughs> right, you know. I guess yeah. I guess seven years. But holy shit, we'll talk about 80, Sting.
0: Eighty-seven was yeah. the first class. First, so. uh, okay.
2: I, I don't want to even. Eighters. I don't want to get started yet, but we'll talk about Sting throughout this show.
0: Yeah. Eric Bischoff welcomes us to the show. He is stepping in for Tony Cervani who was out having neck surgery. He gets
2: gets slammed by...
1: Like Bobby loses his neck brace a few episodes ago. Passes it on to Tony. Tony
0: picks it up. Eric is joined by Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mean Gene Okerlund. And Mean Gene brings up that a match has been added as during Main Event, the show that usually precedes the pay-per-views, Yeah. Road Warrior Hawk had shown up and attacked Ming. Bom bum, bum, So we're going to ah. get that match later tonight. You know why? Because payday.
2: Uh, because, yeah, because Hawk just went to Korea with them because they wanted Hawk. Yeah. So they're like, okay, well, we're gonna if you're, if you're going to do that, I need more than
0: one payday. <laughs> Footage of that attack is shown before previewing the rest of the card. Bischoff then sends us to a video package about Harlem Heat, which is basically just a promo saying they're going to win again. In front of highlights of their matches. Yeah, that
1: mm-hmm. video package was pretty terrible looking. I just it looked very cheap, <laughs> and something that was meant for main event or you know it didn't yeah. look pay per view quality.
2: I love that like we just watched a WWF show and we've had this like Jarrett Razor big long feud that has like some weight to it and pretty solid matches and pretty solid storytelling. Then we have like Harlem Heat versus the Nasty Boys, just over and over and over again, mm-hmm. and I don't really know what the story is outside of.
1: Watch us play hot potato.
2: Is watch us play hot potato? <laughs> that's
0: basically the story.
2: And yeah. the thing is, is There's that a belt they can do. And we it. have two tag teams. They can do better than that. They have Sherry there. Yeah,
1: well, that's the other thing is let her think, think, let her think watch something us up. Beat up. Sherry, how are we going to do it this week?
2: Mm-hmm. Let her jump off of something. That's great, but I don't know. It feels a little stale. Yeah. Which is funny, because the other thing doesn't feel that
0: stale. I was excited to see Jared and Razor again. So we get our first match. The Nasty Boys of Jerry Sags and Brian Nobbs versus Harlem Heat of Stevie Ray and Booker T with Sister Sherry for the WCW World Tag Team Championships.
2: And one of these things is kind of similar to the other. In the Razor and chariot feud. Oh, okay. About, like, what, we're, what we're about to get is a little different.
0: A little bit. So, Sags comes out alone. Lonely world. And they tell us that Nobbs was injured earlier on main event. But they never talk about how it was the Blue Bloods that had done it as the reason. They want to put
2: the Blue Bloods over? I
0: guess not. So... Who are the blue ones? Oh,
2: I know. We'll find out later. We'll find out later. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, wait, why, do, why such a bad name? And I'm like, oh, I know who it is because I was very surprised.
0: So Harlem Heat stall for what seems like forever, just talking to each other, before Sags turns Booker inside out with a clothesline, hits some turnbuckle smashes, followed by another clothesline in the corner. Stevie Ray jumps in to attack, but Jerry cuts it off hitting a double DDT on Harlem Heat before knocking Sherry off the apron. Stevie Ray goes out to check on Sherry while Sags continues the punishment on Booker T with a pump handle slam for a two count.
1: Just for you, Michael.
2: I love it. Happy, Happy to see it. Starting hot.
0: Booker with an eye rake to slow the momentum, allowing Harlem Heat to double team Jerry. Stevie coming in with an elbow drop Tries for a second, only for Sags to move. Jerry hits a headbutt to the gut of Stevie Ray, followed by a leg drop to the same area, making a cover, but Booker T breaks it up. Sags continues with a body slam and heads up top, coming off with a double elbow drop, only for the cover to be broken up once again by Booker. Jerry makes another cover, but this time Sherry pulls him off and out to the floor where he stalks after her, which leads to a stomping from Stevie Ray back in the ring. Sags rolls out to regroup, only for Sherry to be right there with multiple slaps. Get him, Sherry. Back in the ring, Booker takes over with a leaping forearm, a knee drop, and begins to work the neck of Jerry. Booker T then misses an elbow drop, but does the spin of rooney and catches Sags with a jumping hook kick. Stevie Ray's back in to keep up the attack, hitting a drop kick, and a backbreaker before Booker T comes in off the top with a flipping leg drop.
2: I mean, this is already better than most of the nasty matches we've watched. Nasty heat matches we've watched recently. There's a little bit something else going on and uh, it's good. And the Harlem Heat is playing to the crowd and getting heat. And the crowd's into it. It's not a fake popcorn match that involves ICs
0: and stuff. Stevie then climbs to the first rope, coming off for a leg drop, but he doesn't get enough air, so he lands on his feet to save himself from tripping, and then delivers the leg drop.
2: (laughs) Stevie Ray! He's uh, kind of a little bit better than Sid, without the promo.
0: (laughs) Booker telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Jerry to hit a desperation pile driver, and all of a sudden... Brian Nobbs is running to the ring with his ribs taped up. Allowing Sags to crawl over to the corner to make the... Hot tag! Brian with clotheslines, body slams, back elbows to both members of Harlem Heat. A bulldog to Booker T. That before backdropping a charging Stevie Ray over the ropes to the floor. I mean, it's a good hot tag. Sherry climbs up to the top rope. Coming off, but she is caught by Knobs who power slams her down followed by picking her up and tossing her out onto Stevie
1: and Fuck. almost missing Stevie
0: Holy to where she shit just lands he just really like launched her, her. <laughs> he was
2: feeling the energy and i was like oh my god sister Sherry, always always a highlight yeah
1: always there to make everybody else look good by having to recover from the shit that they put her through she's
2: seriously one of the <laughs> most like i feel like underrated I mean, I don't even know if she's underrated, but she's never disappoints.
0: Brian then picks up Booker for a running power slam, followed by Sags coming in off the top rope with an elbow drop for the pin and, and the win. And no Again. Post-match, as the Nasty celebrate, we see a shot of the Blue Bloods looking disgusted in the aisle way, as only Sir William Regal and Earl Robert Eaton can do.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, watching Earl Robert Eaton trying to do his best. William Regal with his hand behind his back looking...
2: You know, it took me angry, a second... ...confused. As a beautiful Bobby fan, it took me a second to even recognize him, because he is thick. Yeah. Bobby got... Uh, A little little chunky chonky yep. and he was never the most him and stan lane is like well stan lane is is the body guy we know that yeah. bob eaton's one of the greatest right hands you can have but he is never the star and we know why and he doesn't have to be the star he's just one of the best guys to wrestle but he i was i was like who's that guy And I should never have to look at Bob Eaton and be like, who's that guy? Because I love Bob Eaton. And I was like, hmm. I had to rewind it and be like, oh shit. And I was excited, but kind of. Definitely
1: had gained a a lot more face than the last time we saw. Yeah,
2: kind of flabbergasted. Maybe it was the first time he put a suit on and just pushed his neck into his face. I don't know.
0: So when the Blue Bloods came out, my first thought was, is the best part of this is that the Nasty Boys and Harlem Heat feud is over with? (gasps) Could be.
2: And honestly, the nasties got over in a big way here.
0: But I hate to tell you this. Uh, it's not? It might not be. Okay. I don't know for certain. All right. But Harlem Heat had technically already won the belts back at a massive TV taping earlier in the month. Oh, I my I think gosh. those massive TV tapings.
2: <laughs> I mean, they got a studio, right? <laughs> exactly. Studio stuff. I mean... Saves money. I get it, but get it Lard. They got all. I mean, they're spending Hogan money and Hogan Buddy money. Now they got I Macho Le- Man. They got for a deal because of the Slim Jim.
0: So I legitimately looked it up, and like we know Harlem Heat as one of like now as Harlem Heat is one of the most prolific WCW tag teams of all time. I think, know, I think I think they actually have the belt more times than any other team ever
2: yeah. well they do that smart thing of never leaving and having somebody as good as Booker T but, but I think out of they like the... their first eight during the first six months
0: well I, th- <laughs> did they ha- I think they were only eight time champions I can't remember I
1: was guessing like but
0: 10 literally, or 12 we as a group because since we really just watch pay-per-views we only see like two of their win of their title wins because, because all they the other ones on... are all on TV
2: yeah so somebody can get their win back on a bigger pay-per-view yeah So
0: I think it's... I just find it hilarious. It is very funny,
2: yeah. It's like, oh, like, they're the the solid tag team hand, but never the one that's put over. WCW
0: tag team, they're one of the first teams Mm -hmm. that you think of. Yeah, because, like, I don't
2: think Road Warriors with that, because Road Warriors are pre-WCW. It's NWA, JCP. But I think, like, some of the ones that... I think, like, Doom, but that's, like, at the... Precipice changing, I think, of the Steiners, but we know the Steiners basically fuck off to Japan for a half a decade almost, right? Yeah. And good for them, because it's kind of slim pickings for them over here. I mean I'd love to see them work with like Heat or the Nasties, but they got bigger fish to fry and bigger paydays overseas.
0: We then go to the stage and Eric Bischoff is there with the nasty boys and they say they did it nasty style before talking about the Blue Bloods, saying they are now in their targets. Yeah.
1: Nasty sensation.
2: I love that uh, Jerry Sacks says, uh, when the nasties take a that <laughs> the nasties take a licking and keep on kicking. Like, uh, gross. Ew. Ew. <laughs> yeah.
0: We then go to the back, and Mean Gene is there with Kevin Sullivan.
2: Who's not afraid?
0: And Kevin keeps asking Okerlund, if he is cold, mm-hmm. while saying both the name, the man with no name, and the butcher, because it's the same person. I mean, he
1: hasn't slept in five days.
0: Saying the problem with the man with no name, the is butcher. He still believes in Hulkamania. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, and he just keeps walking around. Like, the hey. promo was so weird. Well, the, it was very. What I
1: thought was funny was Mean Gene, like, no, not through there. That's the men's room. It's like, oh, cool. So. Mean Gene doing his interviews live from in front of the men's
2: room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this entire segment was just weird. Kevin
2: Sullivan has a hard time putting it together, I would say. I don't know. I've never been impressed by Sullivan, and I know that people say he has a good mind for the business, but I've never seen it in any of his matches. Maybe maybe he just just gives good ideas away. So he can be back around his brother again. The
0: only thing good I ever remember about Kevin Sullivan is his seven-match series with Benoit and wonder why. <laughs> yeah, because there was some real heat. Exactly. Yep. So we head to our second match. It's
2: a grudge match.
0: And this is how they announced him. The man with no name, formerly known as the butcher, versus Kevin Sullivan. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like what is he fucking prince? No, he's prince again. He's, he's not cool. Like the butcher's not I, cool. I think that's Prin- kind of
0: what they were. Go- Prince Didn't is cool. Prince do this? Uh, well, right he went.
2: 5? I'm trying to for remember when it anything, exactly
1: so. was, but yeah, they made that a deal about That was all contract Prince, stuff, so though. I think yeah, he had was going for the little symbol thing already.
0: But I think possibly. that's what they were. That's technically yeah. what they were. Not personally. the right guy to do that. They've got that low and low then, low and low.
1: then, and then you know, a couple years later, then they've got the artist formerly known as Prince ikea or whatever his name is, Taff Yeah.
2: Um, weird. That's all yeah. we're gonna yeah, say here. I mean, it's weird. It's weird for, it's weird for It's Brutus, what do you expect? Or, it's sorry, weird for...
1: Brudai or the man with no name, or formerly known as the Butcher.
0: Or, mm-hmm. oh. Soon to be known as, no, I'm just kidding.
2: Yeah, yeah, soon to be known as Who Cares? Yeah. I mean, I'd love if he came out and he's like, I am, who cares?
0: And everybody goes, <laughs> who cares? He might actually get the biggest cheers of his career. Yeah,
2: and then he goes, I care. And then he, like, does a power move on somebody and pins him.
0: That's actually not a horrible
2: gimmick. <laughs> it's a pretty good gimmick, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should start juicing.
0: Become who cares. So the man with no name attacks Sullivan immediately, hitting a high knee to the back, sending Kevin out to the floor for some guardrail action. Back in the ring... The Brailed. Man... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> back in the ring, the man with no name continues with mounted punches, multiple turnbuckle smashes, and chokes to set up the sleeper. But Sullivan counters with a jawbreaker to a escape. A weak jawbreaker. Kevin tosses the man with no name out to the floor where the two men trade chops before heading back to the ring. And the two men continue to brawl when the man with no name hits a pile driver for the pin. And no, we are not that lucky. Back out to the floor for more brawling. Then back into the ring for more brawling. When the man with no name misses a corner charge hitting his forehead on the ring post. Oh, no. Sullivan seizes the moment, placing the man with no name in a tree of woe. Whoa! Running into him with his knee, followed by a double stomp for the pin and, and the win.
2: Uh, I love the running knee plus double stomp as a finish.
0: Yeah. I am a big, like, Kevin Sullivan probably is the best at doing the tree of woe. And it makes no sense. Like their legs are just wrapped around the ropes. Yeah, just unwrap your legs. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can but unwrap them with these as I soon as really they get like. kicked.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's an important part of wrestling. There's a really great line where Eric Bischoff says, "You know what they say when you cut a snake's head off," and Bobby Heenan replies, "Yeah,
0: it becomes a belt." And I was like, "Oh, Bobby, <laughs> so good." Post match. Someone on the turnertron begins talking, causing Kevin to go out into the crowd. The man on the screen tells Sullivan to come forth, my son. My son. But Kevin heads out one of the exits.
2: Yeah, in he, the arena. He uh, he goes full uh, John Moxley <laughs> into the crowd. Uh, this guy yeah. looks cool though. It's like this weird icy like filter, Cowboys. and he has like yeah, like uh, and but he has like weird a mix of like Muda and like Sub-Zero vibe.
1: With a little bit of Jabba.
2: Yeah, he's got like a Muda today, more of a Muda today look, you know, chubbier face and goatee. Uh,
1: Assassin number two maskless, or whatever
2: that is his name <laughs> is. <laughs> uh, are you talking about Mr. Wrestling 2, where he's got the mask that's, where his face is busting out?
1: Yeah, where, yeah, yeah the, the big big face dude with the teeny
0: tiny yeah, type yeah. mask. I think yeah. that's Mr. Wrestling No, that was too. Assassin. That's Assassin? Okay, that was Assassin number one. Okay. So, the man on the screen was King Curtis Iakea, okay, who was a professional wrestling and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. He would become known in WCW as the master of the Dungeon of Doom. Dungeon of Doom. I can't so, wait for... So this is the beginning of that storyline.
2: Spoiler but I can't wait for old oh, John Tenta Earthquake to come back as a shark, because that's a really cool singlet. <laughs> But that's the only reason. I think the singlet's funny. I'm a,
0: shark. <laughs> I'm a shark. So we go to the back. Mean Gene is there with Jimmy Hart, Hulk Hogan, and Randy Savage.
1: Is he talking today? We're a bit late,
0: brother. We were at the beach. <laughs> they say a bunch of words, but it really, it comes down to Randy's just happy for his dad going into the Hall of Fame tonight. Aww. And no one realizes the power. Of the monster Maniacs. God, that name is horrible. The monster maniacs,
2: and this is where I pulled my Slim Jim breath thing. They said a bunch of stuff, but that one stuck with me because Randy's in his classic, like Slim Jim gear, kind of for the first time, and to look behind the scenes, the Slim Jim deal was a big reason why he went to WCW and why WCW could afford him at the time because they didn't have like he was getting like, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year in with his Slim Jim deal, and so he didn't require as much of a payday from wrestling, and on top of that, WCW gets Randy Savage on their roster plus these extremely popular Slim Jim commercials, which I mean, everybody knows who Randy WCW Savage.
0: WCW could have just called him up and been like, "We're gonna let you wrestle." Yes, and he exact. would have come it, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. WWF was not Yeah, they were.
2: Work. I'm sure they were paying him, but they weren't paying him. Um, Randy Savage money because it didn't really require it because he had such a good
0: you know deal and it's it's a twofer for WCW for sure we then go to Angelo Papa saying he is ecstatic about being inducted into the Hall of Fame and watching his son wrestle tonight ah, what a good dad All right. yeah. so we're headed to our third match, it's dirty hard. Dick Murdoch. Versus Chief, Wahoo McDaniel, in a Legends match.
2: Did, uh, don't adjust the settings on your TV, everybody. No. This match is in black and white. It is in black We're and white. going back to Kansas. Gives
0: it more of a nostalgic feel.
2: It does. I think that it's kind of cool and good. And I think this match is kind of cool and okay.
0: We also get Gordon Solie taking over play-by-play for Eric Bischoff for this they're, match.
2: It seems like they're actually kind of doing it right for this Legends thing, almost. Or at least trying to. They're trying.
0: So the last time we saw Murdoch was at the Royal Rumble 95, episode 141. And Wahoo at Slamboree 93, episode 90. So this is our second Wahoo Legends
2: match, basically. I mean, Wahoo is... Famous for wrestling beyond his years consistently. Yes. he's Yeah, he's that guy that just partied on the mid-card longer than anybody ever expected.
0: So McDaniel hits multiple arm drags. but Dirty Dick comes back with a knee to the gut and starts delivering some elbows. Wahoo then hits some chops to stop that momentum. But the two men then just start trading elbows and chops until McDaniel drives Dirty Dick back with another chop Wahoo with an overhead wrist lock only for Murdoch to back him into a corner to cheap shot him they begin trading blows with the chops again prevailing but Dirty Dick fights back with another knee and elbows Murdoch hits a knee drop bulldog off the top rope followed by a back elbow and an elbow drop for a two count
2: knee drop bulldog nice especially with these two beefy guys Really does look good.
0: Wahoo then reverses a whip and catches Dirty Dick with a massive chop. Wahoo! For the pin and, and the win. win.
2: That last massive chop busts his nose right open. I it a few times, I was like, wait, where did he get blood? And it's that, like, I think maybe a chop or something not right, like, right before that. So he was probably, his nose was probably already... Hit pretty good, but that last chop, like, really just shook the blood around in his head, and he was just, yeah, it was a a good look for the last move. Very nice. Especially in black and white. Oh, yeah, it looked extra cool that way.
0: But you can say goodbye to both of these gentlemen, as this will be the last time we see either of them.
2: Oh, well, goodbye. I think that they went out on a solid dad match, and with a little bit of blood. This kind of had, it was in black and white, but... If it I felt was like, like I was
1: in Pleasantville.
2: Oh, for me, it felt like it, it, for me, it felt like it was I was in um, uh, Raging Bull, less stylized, of course, because that's a movie and they can do tricks and stuff. But yeah, that was my thought. It's like oh, these two old mean men.
1: Yeah, well, I will say, <clears throat> Dirty Dick, he he was meant for black and white TV. He, oh yeah. He actually just had Looks this great. like regal, badass look to him. Mm-hmm. As opposed to seeing him not too long ago at the Rumble where he just looked like an old man running down to the ring.
2: Yeah, in black and white he has like a distinguished kind of like almost like Walter-esque yeah. vibe. You yeah. know what I mean?
1: It, it makes him look very youthful.
2: Yeah. It shaves off a few years. Yeah. And a couple of pounds. I we, should be seen in black and it's white. It's a good
0: filter. We go to the back Mean Gene is there with Big Bubba Rogers. Yay. And Big Bubba says he is one of the few men that has beaten Sting. And tonight, after I beat you again, it will be the end of you.
2: He's going to run him out of the WCW. Do you want to be officially the end of Big Bubba
1: versus Sting? Or a combination of Big Bubba fighting Sting tag <laughs> matches?
2: I mean... I'm
1: over it. I mean, See, I'd mean, i rather watch the Nasty Boys and Harlem Heat fight again and again and again
2: and really? again. Really? I don't know if I agree. I'm just sick.
1: I'm sick of Big Bubba and Sting. I'm, I, I need some I'm new
2: blood. I'm a little bit more high... On the artist formerly known as the guardian angel since he became the artist formerly known as the guardian angel because that's a gimmick I could not get behind no.
1: and that's partially why I despise seeing him on the TV like we've seen you guys fight as or yeah seen you guys fight numerous times with him being too many different characters give us somebody
0: fresh well how about our fourth match <gasps> the great Muda there's fresh Versus Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorf.
2: I mean, I was pants down yeah, for I this. Say, I was so not pants on for... the table, Michael. <laughs> I mean, I'm... I was so so excited, and you guys had to have been as well, right?
1: Yeah, I was. I didn't know these two ever fought each other, so.
0: And this match is for the IWGP uh, Heavyweight
2: Championship. My hands are up. You I got Orndorf going for a belt. Hell yeah! I know, dude, and it's it's Orndorff. Great worker, great heel. And then Muda, who still has fans, even though basically just doing a cup of coffee in, like, 89 and showing up once a year in WCW. He's still, people are still behind Muda. Paula chants that are still happening since, like, 1983 when it was still WWWF or whatever, like, from Madison Garden shows. Love this. Absolutely love this.
0: Muda gets a pretty cool drum intro and pyro.
2: Yeah, he's got the the big uh, like shiny black cowl on over his face.
0: But he does come out first, foreshadowing. foreshadowing. And the last time we saw Muda was at the G One Climax '94, episode 126, and Muda had defeated Shinya Hashimoto for the title earlier in the month, at Wrestling Duntaku. Oh. not. Sh- and unfortunately, that was one of the shows that I really tried to get. Could never find a good copy of yeah. it anywhere.
2: And I'm crying over here because it was a Shinya Hashimoto match
0: I didn't get to watch. <laughs> there was also a Flair and Hase match on that oh, show Oh, I mean, that well. sounds good. So it, it, That's what a like, good comp- It was, it was what a, a show good that comment. I really wanted to try and find. And Hase and Flair a copy of it.
2: is the kind of thing that is like potentially trilogy deserving because if they have a chemistry it, c- it can be good
1: Wiped from existence because of wcw going to korea or whatever and they didn't, wanna, they
2: eric didn't bischoff, want to being shown
1: anywhere else in eric, that time frame
2: during these intros eric bischoff talks about how they were just in uh, north korea i assume muda was probably there and i don't know if paul went over but i mean it seemed like a lot of guys went over if if uh, Too Cold Scorpio went over. To Korea or to Japan? No, to Korea, because this is right after... Flair
0: his... is the only WCW-contracted worker that worked that show.
2: Oh, okay. So yeah. Muda could have gone over. Because, like, Hawk and Too Cold went over. I know that for sure. Yeah. But they weren't contracted.
0: Okay. Just fought on a bus. Which, by the way, we'll cover that show in a few weeks.
2: Oh, really? You have tape of it? Yeah, we have tape of it. Of the I
0: Korea think... show? I didn't know yeah. there was
2: a good tape of it. I'm excited. I
0: don't know if it's a good tape.
2: But it's, it's tape. tape. But we have a tape. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's legendary enough to be worth watching. It's still the highest attended, maybe by force, um, wrestling show of all time. But, you know, I don't want to say too many negative things about North Korea. They could be one of our listeners. Could be. Could be. Hey, If you are,
1: invite your friends to listen.
2: Yeah, you got a lot of them. Ask the president
0: to force everyone. To... <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll get that sponsorship. So. Hell, hell yes. Sponsored by North Korea. Oh! I mean,
2: if, if, uh, if, if WWF's going over to Saudi Arabia, we can take some North Korea money, I'm just saying. <laughs> At least there's only three of us, and if I make that much money, I promise I'll give back to the community. I'm just going to drink my beer.
0: <laughs> so the match gets going with Orndorff stalling, arguing with the ref, before a feeling-out process between the two men. When Muda puts Mr. Wonderful out to the floor... ...with a jumping back kick. Back in the ring, we get some mat wrestling... ...with Orndorff escaping a headlock into a hammerlock... ...before delivering a knee to the gut and a clothesline. Mr. Wonderful misses an elbow drop... ...allowing Muda to hit a drop kick and the flash elbow drop... ...before going into a head scissor... ...that Mr. Wonderful counters to deliver a back suplex. Bischoff and Heenan start talking about how Ric Flair... ...has been reinstated to the active roster... Because Hulk and Savage wanted to get their hands on him.
1: Bischoff, Heenan, Got Muda, and Wonderful in the ring right now. Can you not talk about Hulk for a few things? Yeah, this is
0: already
2: starting off full Japanese style because Paul Orndorff can actually do it because he's a fucking professional. We're getting a wrestling match right now. Could we? Can we not talk about Hogan?
0: Yeah. Orndorff dumps Muda out to the floor where he starts choking the champ with a camera cable. Before bringing working. him back into the ring with a vertical suplex and a shimmy-aided elbow drop. fines and suspensions. Hell yeah, choke his ass. Mr. Wonderful applies a chin lock, only for Muda to fight his way out, but whiffs on a drop kick, allowing Orndorff to grab a front headlock, which the champ escapes with an atomic drop and a clothesline.
2: I love him whiffing it because Paul Orndorff has the smarts to grab the ring and knows Muda's a drop kick. Kicking son of a bitch.
0: Muda hits a second rope elbow drop, which I think Mr. Wonderful was supposed to move on as he takes control of the match with four arms and goes for a pile driver. But Muda then counters with a backdrop and another jumping back kick. We get the handspring back elbow in the corner Ooh. and a bulldog by Muda Ooh. for a two count, following it up with a backbreaker and a moonsault for the pin. And And the win. win. What a good,
2: solid wrestling match. It's very G1-esque. Warms your heart. Warms warms the cockles of my heart to see WCW have a good wrestling match on their show because we've seen so many so
0: inconsistently. Bischoff then sends us to a video package about Arn Anderson and Alex Wright. We get highlights of the Enforcer beating up people and being TV champion, followed by Alex Wright taking it to Arn at a TV taping. We then go to the back with Mean Gene, who's with Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, and Vader. And Arn calls himself Mr. Anderson.
2: I know! I popped for that as a huge fan of (laughs) The Matrix. I was like, ah, Mr. Anderson.
0: As so fun. people should show him respect.
2: Absolutely. Uh-huh.
0: Nature Boy Invader then talk down to the Hulkster and Macho Man. And then we get a video of Terry Funk saying he's not sure he's a legend. Bringing up the names of greats throughout history. But it's an honor to be recognized yeah, he named, in the Hall of Fame.
2: name draps, drops Hackenschmidt, uh, Gotch, Fez, you know, O'Connor... Briscoe, and even Harley Race. Uh, it's like, he's just... Terry Funk He's a, a, humil- a man of humility who never quite appreciates himself as much as we appreciate him, which makes sense considering his protege like essentially being Mick Foley, who's another man who is very selfless.
0: Yeah. So we get our fifth match. Das Wunderkind Alex Wright... Versus The Enforcer, Arn Anderson, for the WCW World Television Championship.
2: With a 30-minute time limit, Alex Wright is so hot. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking good-looking guy. He's
1: a pretty boy. Got them dance moves.
2: And you know what? Um, or that one dance move. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. The like club like early techno dance. Yeah.
1: Midway backstroke. Yes. I don't know. Very good.
2: The other thing I noticed is the poster for this show has Alex Wright's name on it. It's like, oh, they're behind Alex Wright. His name's they, on the poster. They are behind him,
0: definitely. That's for good reason. Bad. Look
2: at this guy. He's like, what if Sting was taller and sexier and was more agile? <laughs> like, I mean, fuck.
0: So the match gets going, and Wright takes Arn down with an arm drag before applying a headlock, which Anderson escapes only to receive a dropkick and back to the headlock. Um, That's Mr. Anderson. When Double A escapes again, Alex delivers an insiguri. The enforcer is placed back into a headlock, but he's given another dropkick after he escapes. Arn tries for an insiguri of his own, only for Wright to duck and apply an STF. But Anderson makes the ropes to break the hole.
2: Yeah, he doesn't quite lock in the STF on the head. So Anderson can get out. If he got it on completely, I'd be kind of annoyed that Arn got out, even though I'm an Arn
0: fan. Alex baseball slides double A out to the floor, following out with a Pescado that isn't very pretty, and starts beating on the enforcer. Only for Arn to knee him and try for a clothesline. But right moves, sending Anderson into the ring post. Posted. Back in the ring, Alex begins to work the arm with a hammerlock. The double-A backs him into the corner to escape. The two men begin trading blows until Wright starts running the ropes, only to be caught with a spying The enforcer puts the boots to Alex, catapulting him into the bottom rope, using multiple chokes, only to be kicked off into the corner during a figure-four attempt. Wright begins to fire up as he catches Arn coming off the second rope in the gut. Delivers a spinning wheel kick and a vertical suplex before heading up top for a missile drop kick for a near fall.
2: That missile drop kick, like, Alex Wright's a tall guy. He jumps up high enough to, he's, missile is the right word, because it's, like, coming straight down. It's not vertical at all. Like, it's almost like a, it's almost a double stomp to his, like, chin from, like, a, Absolutely. 45 degree angle. It looks incredible.
0: The two men trade inside cradles for several two counts before Anderson sends Alex to a corner. He charges in, but he's rebuffed multiple times by elbows and knees. Wright then charges out with a clothesline that double-A ducks. He fakes a left jab, which causes Alex to duck, allowing the enforcer to hit a DDT for the pin... And no win. win. This would be Wright's first televised loss.
2: I know, and I love that Alex gets put over and, like, that Arn doesn't get a whole lot in. Mm-hmm. But it's the way that the stuff Arn gets in is all due to being older and wiser. Mm-hmm. So the win, I don't think, really takes a whole lot away from Alex. And, yeah, I just thought it was really sm- smart, smartly worked and put together, but it's fucking Arn Anderson. And, like, Alex Wright can be very impressive, but he's kind of like a deer who hasn't quite got his feet under him, and you can kind of see that in his choices to go to Matt Wrestling in between his big moves and stuff, where he can't quite chain it all together.
1: And, see, I thought it was a nice little twist that... A few shows ago, we had Paul Roma get fired because he wanted to teach this new guy a lesson because he didn't think he was ready, whatever, and yeah. Then you've got a couple shows later at this one where Alex gets his first loss to Arn Anderson and had Paul Roma just been a company player and just went with how things were supposed to go. He probably might still have a job.
2: And Arn gave him everything, but Arn's also a much better wrestler than... And smarter man than Paul Ro- than Paul Roma, Definitely. but uh, yeah, Arn Anderson gives Alex everything. Like he's working, Arn Anderson is work is the heel and working from underneath the whole time. Yeah. Babyface is work from underneath. But I
1: will also say thank you to Paul Roma because had he not been fired, we may not have had Muda versus
2: Mister Wonderful. Maybe not. So. Yeah, and I'm also I like Paul Roma, but not in the same way that I like Arn Anderson. <laughs> That's a silly thing to say. Absolutely. Uh,
0: we then get Eric and the Brain talking the main event. And basically the only reason I mention this is because he even says one of my favorite lines. That security had to stop Hogan, Macho, and Renegade from escaping out the windows. Because they're scared.
2: Yeah, if if you can fit Hulk Hogan through a window. Through a bathroom window. Yeah, right. My god.
1: Can't even get his ego.
2: Uh-huh. Ego, ego, his probably, ego probably yeah. can not fit out the window. Are they still trying to sell renegade as the warrior yes because it's so crazy he doesn't he's obviously dressed like him he's obviously jacked but not the same kind of jacked and they never put the camera quite on him and his fa- hair is obviously like feathered to the front and he keeps his head down too and it's just really silly because like
1: it's like when they replaced Becky on Roseanne and expected people not to notice. Yeah, it's it's. But then it's they weird. just made a running joke of it afterwards. Yeah,
2: yep. it's it's just funny because
1: they say he's the same, but he's not the same.
2: <laughs> it's just it's just it's just <laughs> it's just funny because like I know that video quality is not as high as it is now here, but what we're watching isn't that much higher quality than it was on television at the time. It's not like they have this is like a two K or even four K like. You know, tape, because this is all on like tape, and yeah, it's it's very funny. This is not film. This is this is tape to like
0: live. So we're headed to our sixth match, mean with Colonel Robert Parker versus Road Warrior Hawk. Hawk. This is the first time we've seen Hawk since Battle Seven back in episode one forty, and the match gets going. Ming is chopping away, laying it in with right hands and headbutts to start, before hitting a clothesline and a pile driver, which Hawk knows sells. No sell on a pile driver. Road Warrior then hits a reverse neck breaker, which Ming knows sells. Hawk tosses Ming to the corner, following in after, only for Ming to move, sending Road Warrior shoulder first into the ring post and down to the floor. Posted. Parker gets involved with some stomps before Hawk is run into another ring post. Post first. Once back in the ring, Ming continues the punishment with a backbreaker for a two count, but Hawk begins to fire up with multiple boots, only from a Ming throat thrust to stop the momentum.
2: Still kind of crazy. I was like, oh shit! Like the Road Warriors are known for just beasting people, and like Ming is getting more offense. Then Hawk. Hawk's still like strong and no selling, but like not completely no selling. He's no selling big moves, but he's you know, it's piling up.
0: Road Warrior finally catches a kick and delivers a clothesline before hitting a jumping shoulder block and a jumping fist drop for a near fall. Hawk heads up top, coming off with a splash, only for me to avoid sending Road Warrior out to the floor to regroup. Ming follows out where the two men brawl all around ringside when the bell rings for a double count-out.
2: Ding, 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 ding! I mean, Road Warrior is still going to go back to Japan. He'll take the beating and make Ming look strong, but he's not going to take a pin
0: here. No, definitely not. No.
2: And why would they have Ming take a pin? Ming hasn't had a whole lot of matches. Plus, he's fucking... Ming, like he's been around forever and he's good and uh he could probably i believe that he could have kicked hawk's ass in real life Mm -hmm.
1: no doubt about that
0: post-match officials and other wrestlers come out to separate the two men and they don't do a really great job at first they're big guys they, they finally settle it down
2: they get to the point where i thought that maybe it was a shoot like honestly but then I was like oh no it's not because of the body language and stuff but with the like fact that they weren't able to break them up very well I had that thought and feeling for a second and then I was like oh no these guys don't look angry
0: Bischoff and Bobby start talking the Hall of Fame the brain complaining that he hasn't been inducted which I mean I completely agree yeah it's
2: like yeah yeah. No, no yeah Bobby you should be in every Hall of Fame twice
0: Right. Eric then sends it to the stage for our Hall of Fame induction. And Gordon Soli is at the podium saying there are six inductees this year.
2: I know, but the crowd's so loud and not attentive that I found it so disrespectful.
0: First up is Chief Wahoo McDaniel. And Soli tells a funny story about him being injured before football training camp as Wahoo would wrestle in the offseason. I was like, that's a laugh riot there, Gordon. Uh,
2: yeah, it's like, oh, let me, it's not funny. It's kind of crazy that uh, he was playing professional football, which obviously didn't pay then what it does now. And And he was obviously playing much before 1995. Yeah. But him working wrestling, it's like, oh, nowadays, if you were on a football contract, they're not going to let you do that. No.
0: Unless you're Lawrence Taylor, we then get highlight photos of him as Gordon continues to name the accomplishments of McDaniel.
2: Played football in Dallas, in New York, and Miami. Yeah. He's from Oklahoma University, though. He First is. and foremost, yep. that's
0: did, where he hails from. Did it say Oklahoma University or did it say University of Oklahoma? Uh-huh. I, I said Oklahoma University. That sounds about right, but you to get it wrong. <laughs> I mean, they don't know how to say their initials either. So. Yeah, no. the
2: AWA, NWA. You know seven time tag
0: each person's given a trophy and then able to deliver a short speech and wahoo thanks some people
2: yeah the yep. trophy is very bizarre looking but kind of cooler than most trophies
1: and I appreciate wahoo's short simple
2: thanks 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 bye yeah thanks the fans you got it you got to
0: next up is Terry funk and sully points out that Terry is still extremely Active uh, in wrestling. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, we know. Wink, wink. Saying he won the world title with the best inside cradle he had ever seen. More highlights before Funk gives his speech where he gives a, Hi,
2: Mom. Oh, yeah. So cute. Always oh, um, wanted to be one of those people. Yeah. He beat the uh, six, you know, he beat Jack Briscoe for that title as well. Just nothing to shake a stick at.
0: And he ends his speech with, God bless wrestling. I agree, Terry. So kind of you. Next is Angelo Poffo, and his speech is basically him cheering his son on in the main event. Proud of Papa. Now, some real-life stuff here. Gordon actually had issue with Poffo being inducted. But Macho Man more or less demanded it as for him coming over to WCW.
2: Yeah, I mean, the reason being is that the Poffos kind of ran, like, what would have been considered an outlaw promotion back in the day they weren't up to snuff with the like with the way that wrestling was run back in the day. They were, you know, technically
0: a shady promotion. But they would use this as an angle in the future. So we'll have that to look forward to. Antonio Anoki is our next inductee and Soli says his life reflects brilliance and mentions his career in wrestling and also in politics.
2: He just recently wrestled in North Korea.
0: That's right. Anoki gives a speech through an interpreter, and he basically—it's a great honor to be inducted. Always wanted to promote peace throughout the world.
2: Yeah, because he's a part of—I don't remember what they call it—basically the Japanese Senate. He's a politician, Antonio Anoki. Like in a world where we make so many biopics for so long where's our
0: inoki pick?
2: i know man or at least a really good documentary we might have to wait for his death uh which i don't wish upon anybody of course for that to happen but i think that the world deserves a well-produced look into the life of antonio
0: noki next is big john stud and stud had passed away a few (laughs) months earlier from cancer so so sad (laughs) Gordon brings up the feud that he had with Andre the Giant before Stud's son, Robert, came out to accept the award. And I was actually kind of surprised that he gave a speech. I was just like, totally figured, here you go, son. And then just move him on the way.
1: I wonder if he ever became anything in wrestling.
0: Uh, I don't think he went into
2: wrestling. He's a little guy. It's funny because Big John Studd here is billed at 6'10", like 365. And I'm like, was Big John Studd really that big? He's a big big motherfucker. I was expecting
1: them to make a cracker or something like that about his son, you know. How he's looks like he's twelve or thirteen, whatever, <laughs> but he was actually a seven year old or something
0: like that. <laughs> <clears throat> and last up is Dusty Rhodes. The American Dream, baby. Till so he recalls the son of a plumber in a story about the American Dream.
1: Taking ditches at eight years
0: old. Dusty would then come out with a young Cody Rhodes at his side.
2: Just a little baby. Yeah, and their sister. I don't remember her name. Taryn. Something like
1: that. Oh, Dusty said something about I want to thank my two kids, and he said Cody and her name, and then he said and Christy and. He says the natural. natural yeah. Like I think I made a mistake and said the wrong number. so I better yeah. just name them all.
0: Rhodes thanks his family. Says that it's the blood, sweat, and tears of the men up here. That laid the foundation for this sport. Dusty then backs away from the mic to give it back to Gordon. When all of a sudden he comes back to inform everyone that there's one more inductee tonight. Gordon Soli.
2: Oh, and this is where I cry my eyes at. Right? Oh Soli my god. did the same. Shell shocked. Looking
0: around, all confused. Oh my god. He legitimately had no clue.
2: You can tell by his face. That's why. This. That's why it worked so well on me because I was like, I can see Gordon's face, uh, which is not the most animated face. Gordon Sully is a very solid, stoic man, and here he is like fighting back tears and le- legitimately like bewildered. And I was just like, my heart can't take it. Yeah.
1: To put a modern comparison to it, when Edge made his re-debut at the Rumble. A couple years ago, and that expression he had on his face when he heard the fans for you know the first time in all those years on his way down, just that. Oh my God, what is happening? Yeah, yeah. Gordon had that. Just
2: he didn't quite realize, yeah, how much he was appreciated.
0: I mean, they they giving the mic to give a speech and he's he practically speechless. <laughs> yeah, it melts my fucking
2: heart. I loved it so. As much. As you
0: guys have said, this was a. Very cool moment and will be the last one we have of Sully as is, this is the last time we will ever see him.
2: I mean, a hell of a way to uh, go out and such a, like, a beautiful moment for Dusty to do it is huge. And for Gordon to be here, for him to call a match with the black and white, which is kind of added to it. We talked about how that match was kind of... Better than most of the Legends matches. It was quick and to the point. It was guys, big guys hitting each other hard. And Gordon calling it like only Gordon can. And then, uh, yeah.
0: Souple will always be in my (laughs) uh vocabulary.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he cooked a souple in my heart.
1: Gordon walks so
0: JR could run. So we go to the back and Mean Gene's there with Sting. And Sting says that there is no chance we get a repeat of Uncensored. As soon as he said that I was like, "But wait. That was the best match on that show. I'm okay with a repeat."
2: Of that. <laughs> yeah, he said the Scorpion Deathlock is going to happen tonight and I'm like, "Great. Sounds good. I hope so." Yeah, if you tap out Big Bubba, then
0: we're going to need a new opponent for you. <laughs> That's right. So we get our seventh match. Big Bubba Rogers versus Sting in a lights out match. And you know what's crazy here? What is crazy?
2: The stinger runs out with a table over his head. Mm -hmm. He does indeed.
0: And I popped
2: for it in a way I didn't expect to.
0: And lights out basically means anything goes. It's an
2: unsanctioned match. It is a... Because the lights out thing is typically an unsanctioned thing, but I don't know. Did you
0: guys actually see them turn the lights out? I I didn't. I didn't. They just said it, I think. But it's a... I mean, they mentioned it many times. The lights are going to go out. And when they come back on this match will be unsanctioned. And I'm just like, so are you going yeah, to turn, turn the lights off? My
2: assumption is maybe Cause they cause did they it during do it, the they do it a- a- w-
0: yeah. The couple AEW. Unsanction- the couple lights out match they had. They actually have done the lights out yeah. whole thing, and then they mm-hmm. come back on it's like, okay, well this match is unsanctioned. And I'm willing
2: to believe that uh, it's been, uh, it obviously has been done previous to this. It's a famous trope from uh,
0: yesteryear. And... I remember the first time we had a lights out match. It was, I think it was, great american bash 85 ish something it was a oh. dusty roads match but it was a lights out match and we were all like why is this the main event when the heavyweight because it was actually the last match on the card and at that point we had no clue what a lights out match was plus it was in a stadium so it was like you're not turning the lights off yeah on. yeah and so we were like totally confused but now that we like,
2: understand understand it's like
0: it Part really of the grand experiment makes
2: of this sense. show is that, totally makes more sense. you know, we're going through uh, these big events to add uh, context uh, to ourselves and learn a little bit more about a thing we care about.
0: So the referee actually removes the table to ringside that Sting carried out. So anything doesn't go.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, he's, just put, <laughs> he's
0: doing his job, but he's not going to DQ him for it. The two men have a woo off. When the Stinger hits a dropkick to send Bubba to the floor.
2: I mean, the crowd's already hot, but it's fucking Sting.
0: Back in, Rogers rakes the eyes to gain control, delivering a clothesline into the corner, choking Sting with his tie, but the Stinger powers out to dropkick Bubba once again. Rogers with a knee lift and some right hands, but Sting comes back with a clothesline before being dumped out to the floor, where Bubba falls out, To set up the table. Rogers tries to smash the Stinger's face multiple times. But the brakes are put on and Sting sends Bubba into it instead.
2: Yeah, because he set up the table, basically got like one leg up. So it was a, you know, basically a bicycle ramp.
0: Rogers' body slammed onto the table, which is prone on the floor. Followed by the Stinger setting the table up by tilting it up on one leg. Sting heads back towards Bubba when powder is thrown into his face, allowing Rogers to smash the Stinger's face on the table.
2: Dusted. That's what I'm going to
0: say now when somebody throws powder (laughs) in their face. Rogers puts the table in the ring where Nick Patrick helps him set it up.
2: I thought that was funny.
0: Tilting it on a corner while Sting is rolled in. The Stinger's thrown into it before Bubba tries for a pile driver, only to be reversed into a back body drop. Sting then whips Rogers into the table, following after with a stinger splash. But Bubba moves, sending Sting straight into the table.
2: And Crowd's way behind Sting. They're doing a, a rope dope right when they get behind Sting. Fucking, and they're heavy for him. Uh, Bubba pulls something off. They've got a good vibe going here.
0: Rogers removes his belt and starts to whip the stinger. Before hitting a boss man slam for the two count. Bubba climbs to the top rope, only for Sting to meet him up there to slam him off. Followed by a body slam, and the Stinger heads up top himself for a splash to get a near fall. The two men start trading blows until Sting hits a clothesline and multiple right hands to knock Rogers down. The Stinger then places the table upside down on top of Bubba before delivering a double stomp. Sick. Then applies the Scorpion deathlock for the submission and the win. It's, so, so maybe it is over.
2: I hope. It's good. I, really I think it was really good. Because the crowd... i back
1: with a new name or a mask or something like that so we can have another six matches between the two of them. The
2: crowd is super hot. And it's one of those things where everybody is so behind Sting. For almost a decade at this point, and Sting has had the title for a cup of coffee three times. Mm -hmm. And at this point in time, if it wasn't for Hogan, Sting should be on the top of the card. And here he is with like Big Bubba, where it's like, yeah, that's a fine feud for him to be doing in between like title runs or something. But and I know Sting's not Ric Flair, but like people do really love him. Mm-hmm. At this time, and I think he does deserve more than what he's been given. Granted, he has been given a lot, and he's made a lot of money, and he's made a huge impact. But uh, it's just so weird to me. It's not weird because Hogan's there, but it doesn't feel right.
1: Know your worth, Sting. Know your worth. Yeah, I mean,
2: but Sting's also a company guy too. Like nobody, he never left. He's just no. he's been there. And he's been a solid hand, and he does what they ask of him, and uh, he feels kind of unappreciated. That being said, uh, when Big Bubba starts hitting Sting with the belt, Bobby Heenan says, This is what Sting's father should have done to him years ago. He'd be a better human being by now. And I thought that that was some prime Bobby.
0: Eric then sends us to a video package for our main event. I thought we just watched the main
2: event. I don't know. We watched the main event. Co-main event? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I don't know.
0: We get highlights of the four legends that will be in the ring, plus all the other characters that will be at ringside.
2: Oh, you mean Renegade?
0: Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, the rest of them are
2: legends. Even uh, Jimmy Hart is a legend.
0: So we go to our eighth match. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and Vader. With the Enforcer, Arn Anderson. Versus the monster maniacs of Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan with Jimmy Hart. And Michael Buffer does the introductions. And let's get ready to... Fumble! Have a a surprise debut. (gasps) Maybe. So this is Flair's first match since Halloween Havoc 94, episode 132. He lost his... It was a... Career versus title match? That yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, something I noticed that was very funny is the heels come out first of Flair, Vader, and Anderson. But Rick is the first one out. Like, it's Rick Flair and then the other guys. And then when the faces come out, they announce Hogan last. So it's like they give the biggest guy on the heel team... The first introduction, and then Hogan
0: still gets the last. But didn't they only play Flair's music, and all three of them came out to just Flair's music? They did, but he was While, the first name. But, I mean, but they played his music, so that, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I, I guess that's Savage true. and Hogan, they played each of their music okay. separately.
2: Okay, they, I didn't quite notice that detail. That makes sense. I know they played they American know? Made as they
1: first started down, but did they flip it into Savage? Did they
2: not play Pop and Circus? I don't think uh-uh. they did. Oh, That's why okay. I just I just thought it was weird because it's like, oh, the complete inverse where it's like I, this guy I mean, I know, building I, up to I Flair. I hit the
1: forward button after they started walking down, but I know I heard American Made as, okay. well, as they I initially was... were walking. Either maybe.
2: Yeah, either way, it's just still kind of funny. It's like it's you should be building to Ric Flair <laughs> instead of starting with Ric Flair and then ending with Hogan, which is maybe I'm just reading into it too much because yeah. I've got some hate in my heart. But I mean, you know. We all
0: have our flaws. So as Hulk and Savage make their way down the aisle, a giant of a man comes out from behind the curtains, mm. pointing at the champ. Who is he? Once everyone is in the ring, Renegade then comes running down to the ring to clear Nate and Vader out of the. So he gets, he gets his own separate entrance. Oh, Rennie. So so may, so you guys are actually probably right. Yeah. Well, that's the, the thing. The monster maniacs came down by. Together,
1: Renegades' music when it hit, I swore it was the "I want to be a Hulkamaniac" or whatever I that song because be that's a it didn't sound like something mocking Warriors' music or anything like that. No, I, they didn't I do, I do that. Kind of
0: yeah. that... But we're watching on the network as well, so we're probably getting stock. stock music. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
2: Who knows? What, they would have been really funny if they were just actually get using like. You know, pile driver to warrior <laughs> theme.
0: We see Angelo Papo sitting in the front row to watch his son's match. Uh, look at Angelo, so yes, do.
2: And this is when I noticed, like, that oh, Renegade, they're still trying to put him over as warrior because he's keeping his face covered and the camera work is even deliberate, which is pretty surprising for a WCW show where the camera work is not quite as like crispy or calculated as WWF, which I appreciate, but they're being more calculated here. There's no referee.
0: So Vader overpowers Hogan to start, taking him to a corner to deliver some stiff shots, but a poke to the eyes allows Hulk to fight back with right hands and a clothesline, before a second clothesline sends Vader out to the floor, followed by Savage flying off the top with a double axe handle.
2: (sighs) And the crowd goes wild. I love that the first time... Hulk Hogan, like, takes it to Vader in the corner. Vader's mask just comes right off. Oh yeah, he, he just I watched pulls, him yeah, he pulls it right off. off. Just, yeah, like, just, what the hell's the point? I guess but yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: maybe Hogan doesn't know how to hit properly while he's wearing a mask, so he had to take it off so he could see exactly where his cheek is or ear.
2: Yeah, maybe it was a request from Hogan. He's like, oh, Vader, hurt my hand, or no, no, or Vader's mask smells so bad because there's a famous quote I love about um, Leon. He did not wash his gear and Bret Hart said that it was like wrestling a concrete mixer full of vomit because Leon didn't smell very well.
0: Yeah. Back in the ring, Vader is being double teamed, but he changes the odds by hitting a double clothesline on the maniacs. (sighs) Vader dumps Macho Man out to the floor, where Flair starts stomping away on him, sending him into the crowd. Back in the ring, the Nature Boy keeps up the attack with chops, only for Savage to fight his way out to unload. Before tossing Nate to the corner for a flare flip onto the apron, where he's met by a big boot from Hogan.
2: I got scared. I'm always in fear of the Hogan big boot. Don't fear the boot. I uh, don't, yeah. yeah. Can we get the uh <laughs> the Oyster Cult remix of that?
0: <laughs> the Nature Boy flare flops his way down the aisle, but he's rolled back into the ring by Hulk, where Macho Man hits a back body drop and a clothesline that sends Nate back out to the floor we get back in the ring and Flair wants a test of strength but thumbs the eyes instead and starts to work over Savage
2: get him just get him
0: Macho Man fights his way out to make a tag where the Nature Boy starts delivering chops to Hogan's chest only for them to be no sold forcing Nate to beg off boo Hulk hits clotheslines and a back body drop but Flair slows the momentum with an eye poke before heading up top only to be press slammed off followed by Hogan locking on a figure 4. But 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 boo. Vader distracts the ref allowing Arn to run in only to be cradled up by Hulk who still had the figure 4 locked on. It
2: was, which, an, was an incredible interesting... incredible and interesting spot but so disrespectful and yes. and gross. It was gross. It was cool, but it wasn't cool because it was Hogan doing it it was interestingly cool. Like It was like, oh wow, that actually looks neat, but uh, I couldn't hate it anymore. You know what I mean?
0: The ref finally turns and gets Anderson out of the ring, but Hogan grabs at him, allowing Flair to chop block the Hulkster from behind. Nature Boy starts working the knee with the running knee drop and Vader starts wrenching on it as well. All of a sudden, Jimmy Hart turns his attention back towards the entryway when that man is just standing there, cracking his knuckles before disappearing behind the curtain once again.
2: Could it be the return of El Gigante?
0: Is it he? I hope not.
2: Has there is been it, a man that tall? Is it
0: Andre's son? No. Could it possibly He's a giant be? Of a man. In the ring, Vader hits a vertical suplex, which is no sold by the Hulkster but he telegraphs a back body drop so he receives a body avalanche. Savage runs in and slaps Vader in the back of the head, which seems like a really bad idea. Yep. So Vader tosses the ref out of the way to get at him while Natch works over Hogan. Macho gets Pee-wee up to his feet so that he can clear Flair out of the ring while Vader delivers an avalanche and Vader bombs on Hulk. Yes. Vader tries for a second one, but Hogan avoids, making his way to the corner for the hot tag. tag. Savage pounds away on the Nature Boy, hitting a back body drop before delivering a shot to Vader on the apron to knock him down before returning to Natch, only to run into a back elbow. Flair then heads up top, only to be press slammed off by Macho, followed by the flying elbow for the pin, And no! Arn pulls Savage out of the ring. Good going, Mr. Anderson. While Vader hits another body attack. Renegade then comes running around ringside to take care of Anderson. While Vader rolls Macho back into the ring for a running knee drop. Vader's then tagged in and hits the Vader Salt. For the pin! And no! Hogan makes the save! The Nature Boy and Vader continue to control the action until Savage is able to fight his way out of the corner to make another hot tag. The holster goes slam crazy, getting rid of Vader to the outside before hitting the big boot on Nate. Hogan goes for the leg drop, only for double A to tripping up from the outside, allowing Vader to come back in and splashing, while Renegade chases Arn around ringside followed by Flair making the cover, only for a near fall. And it's Hulk up
2: time. I know, I got kind of pumped for a second. Also, some of the best, Arn is so good at doing, it's a difference where when Ric Flair is trying to be a sneaky, like, begging heel, it's more, like, pathetic. Mm -hmm. But when Arn does it, It feels like he's actually scared, and you don't know if he is or if he isn't, but he does a really great job of it here, because there's something about Arn going wide-eyed that's uh, beautiful, and he does it really well here, and he does it for the
0: Renegade, which is
2: a shame, but it's what the match calls for.
0: Hulk no-selling, (gasps) finger-wagging, when Anderson gets on the apron to distract him, allowing the Nature Boy to grab Hogan as Arn ascends to the top rope. Double A comes off, but Hulk moves, causing Nage to be nailed. Arn is then pulled out of the ring by Renegade, while Hogan hits the leg drop for the pin. And And the win. win. Post-match, the Maniacs are celebrating when the heels attack once again, with Flair pummeling Macho inside the ring. Angelo Poffo then leaps over the guardrail to save his son only to receive a figure four for his troubles. Hulk and renegade make their way back into the ring to make the save and clear it as Bischoff says his goodbyes and the credits roll.
2: But Macho is like, we need an ambulance, we need an ambulance. He's very upset about his father getting figure four.
1: Haven't seen him act like that since, you know, Elizabeth.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Macho Man, really great. The camera does not really do him justice but he is so over and doing such a good job here and like macho man is does what needs to be done whether it makes sense or not he went over the steel into the crowd Mm -hmm. hogan would have never ever ever done that macho man is arguably just as famous at this point with the slim jim commercials and stuff and this is the one of the reasons that we look at him more favorably in hindsight so i just wanted to bring attention to macho man being macho man and us loving macho man
0: and our final note here of course the man who kept coming out from the curtain is the debuting paul white well it's a big guy that's right so i ask you gentlemen what are your overall thoughts of slamboree 95
2: It was not a chore. It was better than previous slamborees. And it's just hard for this not to turn into a thing where it's like, ugh, Hogan. But I do think that the last match was very exciting and very... Considering how long it was, there was always something happening in a way that didn't make me like... There was things I didn't like, obviously. But I think that for what it was, it was... Better than I expected. Is that fair to say? Interesting. Is that fair to say? I, mean, I don't like how I'll... it went down. I don't like...
0: Let's see what Shane has to yeah. say about this.
1: I mean, I will agree that it's better than some of the shit that they've made us watch recently. But there's not very many braggable moments on here. No. Like, we get to watch the nasties and the Harlem Heat for the however many times where Sherry's the
2: star you get a
1: boring ass no name and Sullivan match Sullivan's double stomp Uh, I liked I mean when my favorite two matches on a show are a Legends match and of course (sighs) a Muda match I'm
2: so glad you like the Legends match
1: okay everything else I guess Alex Wright and Arnie Anderson okay so you had a couple of good spots in the middle and then it just went back to blah Um, yes yeah, it's it's for me a mostly skippable show with the exception of a couple matches in the middle and then the surprise shocking face of Gordon Soley when he is put into the Hall of Fame. I
2: mean, that's the real like heart and soul Other of than the that, show.
1: I could skip over this and not care.
2: I will agree with you in that this is not a must-watch show. <laughs> I will agree with that completely.
0: I think that I do think that this show is better than uncensored
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's absolutely better than unsensory. But it's
0: still very boring. Mm-hmm. I think with a main event like this, the show should have just been a Clash of the Champions.
2: Yep. Good call. Good call. It could have been tightened up to where we get a uh, Nasty's Heat, a Wahoo, a Muda Orndorff, a Arn Alex, and then Sting Bubba and Hulk. And then you still... with And then... If you do that, you have to take a. I guess you have to get rid of Wahoo because Wahoo and Murdoch because. I mean, most you can't,
0: like the Hall of Fame stuff. The Legend be stuff yeah. doesn't happen on a Clash of Champions Yeah, but likely. if you.
2: So I would have to take that match did off won, of there. Did but, they do one where it was a Legends deal and it was just. Yes, boring they did. As hell. It was the one where. Well, that was uh, the
0: anniversary show. Yeah. So right. they didn't have Legend. That's mean, when Singh shows Legends up looking hot them. as hell on a
2: motorcycle.
0: But yes. they had all the Legends just doing. Back your Daddy Sting promos. They didn't have a match. But yeah, legends.
2: in in that position you take off the Wahoo Murdoch show M- Murdoch match and the and the Hall of Fame and you have a tight 145 of like a solid television show. A 2-hour TV show. But
1: it's not even a solid show cuz it's still I mean,
2: unfortunately, Most of the ones I pull I good This
0: isn't a pay-per-view the muda Orndorff match doesn't happen. muda Orndorff and, best match and, on and the Ming show? and Ming Hawk doesn't happen. So and, there, so there's your yeah. there's your four segments yeah. that don't happen. I mean Main me Hawk didn't need to happen on, anyway. They could have, have just done match. that on main event. I mean they should have just done it on main event and not brought it forward but yeah. 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 I mean but, but Hawk like and Florida
2: stable man. Yes. But you're also in you're in <laughs> Florida and like Hawk in Florida.
0: He's from Indianapolis. They yes, but
2: like sure. but no, no, they care because he was on top when Dusty was like Booking and they were doing the big tours and stuff. So like you know, there's more love for yeah, but you're in Hogan and, Country
1: where they're at here because it's close to Sarasota.
2: I feel like it's still Dusty Country.
0: It's Hogan Country.
2: It's Hogan yeah. country. That sucks. It should have been. Du- it's, it should still be Dusty Country at this point in time. You would think.
0: Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? Yeah, there, three, three. All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. So what are some of the best moments of this show? I think... One, two, three. Gordon, Gordon Zoli. Zoli. I mean, yeah. yes. That...
2: <laughs> I have a huge heart for Sting coming out with a table, and then I think that the Sting-Big Bubba match was good.
0: I mean, it wasn't as good as their Uncensored match. It, it was... It wasn't bad. No. It wasn't as good but as But the I think that
2: Sting match. really brought it, and, like, the crowd was super behind him, and I think his win was deserved and well played. I
1: mean, when they're on match number 14 in a... You know, a six-show series with just these two fighting again and, again and again and again and again and again. I just can't get excited for it.
2: But I think that... It's their third time. It seems like a lot more than <sighs> As
1: them, Big Bubba, but then you had they never, they, Angel. they never
0: matched up with Guardian Angel.
1: No. I thought they had a three-match with him and they
0: did, Vader. But Guardian Angel and Sting never uh, chased he, each yeah. other. Well, That's fine.
1: Cool. I'm just anti-Bubba. I am I'm, not... I've been bored with Bubba since he left as, the Twin Towers. As Tower. much...
0: As much as we don't like the Man with No Name and Kevin Sullivan, I love the Tree of Woe, and so the double stomp. The, the finish of that match is. is I think the finish laid. of that match
2: is incredible. I think that it's very funny that this show kind of. There's two matches that basically get one with a double stomp because Sting does a double stomp on the table mm-hmm. and then goes to the deathlock, but like he could have easily done the stomp and then pinned him, like, and it would have been fine. But he said he was going to finish him with the deathlock. And it's his move, so he has to. This uh, is not this is not as good or as tight as in your house. Arms DDT on Alex. And the I fact like that the DDT that. was the finish because it, it was a flash. A dirty finish. looking DDT. It yeah. looked yeah, dirty in a good way, right? No. 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 You think I think that that's because Alex Wright is so
0: tall. I mean, it's very possible, yeah. but it didn't look good. Another best moment for me is they they don't ever name Paul White. They don't ever say his name. True. No, he's the giant. It, it, It's just he's this giant mysterious person.
2: Well, do they call him Paul White this early? Like, not this early, obviously, <laughs> but like in the next time he shows up, do they probably because he's okay. Paul White
0: when, Okay, when, I wasn't when sure if he shows up as just I mean, the giant. Basically, they call him Paul they, White, the giant. They call him the giant's son. I mean, yeah, they, they try to pay him off as Andre the Giant's yeah. son at first.
2: You know what's funny is like I could not remember if
0: the Paul White name didn't hit until
1: he showed up in WWF.
0: No, because he came in as the Big Show. Yeah, he was the Big Show as soon as he walked into WWE or F. Uh, I mean, maybe the first night yeah, he Shane, walked in, he was Paul Shane White. gave
1: him the the Big Show name. Oh, like okay. a year into his run. Really? Mm-hmm. No, I believe so it was you. Paul White when he first no. showed up at.
0: I Whatever mean, they basically. I think, rip the door off. Maybe they don't call him Paul White. Maybe they just call him the Giant.
1: Yeah, I feel like he's I'm pretty the pretty Giant. Sure he's for a just while. the Giant in WCW, and then he jumped over to WWF because
0: became... they do play him off as Andre the Giant's son. Yeah, yeah I know that for sure. He so.
1: became Paul White, and or I shouldn't say became. They used his name, and then shortly after that, he got linked up with Shane McMahon, and, and that's when he became Big Show. Ah,
2: gotcha. Supposedly, I think this is true. He has or was born with the same disease that andre had Mm -hmm. but it was able to be like reversed with a surgery because of just time science and yeah it's like oh and it's incredible and that's great for him kind of a shame that like it's like that's just the way it is you're born when you're born and science and technology continue to move forward but it's like poor fucking andre man (laughs) if we could have just like helped the guy out but it just wasn't in the cards at the time so Because the Giant's still big. He's a big guy. But he's not Andre the Giant big. And that's obviously better for his health. And the man is, I assume, happy and healthy today.
0: How about most disappointing? Uh...
2: For me, the big thing was how over Sting was. I talked about it already. But like, that Hogan not being here, Sting is more exciting and should be having a match with Vader or with Macho Man or with Ric Flair. And he has, I think, a good match with Big Bubba, but it's just a shame that they didn't actually they use Sting, but they never bet on Sting. It's like they you know, they win a hand with Sting, but then they don't continue to bet on Sting. And they back off and then they, you know, win a hand with Sting and back off and just kind of frustrating because we've been doing it for so long because sting came in being pushed and hot
0: when the best match of the entire show i find is a clash of styles and i don't think is a very good match because which one muda Nordendorf is the best match okay. yes and but I, I don't think it's a very good match
2: i think that it's okay i think that my biggest issue with it is it doesn't build to the finish
0: the finish just happens and
2: they could have built to a
0: finish. And that's what they do with every Japanese person that walks in... You're absolutely correct. ...in WCW. Is they're like, okay, that's- go do your match. And then they're like, but you got to cut it off at eight minutes instead of giving them 15. 15.
2: yeah. It's like if it could have... it Like where it ended, it should have built to another three minute... Like another three minutes of escalation. And I mean,
0: also Orndorff totally missed a spot. He did. So.
2: Yeah. But I mean, he just... Does- Warndorf hasn't worked Japan. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, we love these Japanese wrestlers, but they don't translate here. They work here. a different style. Yeah, it doesn't translate Wondorf, over here. And I mean, Wardorf's the best guy for him to work with
0: here, I mean, there's potentially. Guys,
2: but... but no, like on this, like who else on this card? I, mean, I guess I, I, a Steven who Riegel. Knows who else Steven Regal, or maybe a, uh, maybe Arn, I don't know. but
0: Yeah. Either one of those guys, probably.
2: Yeah, but either way, I think that I think that match is okay and so close to good. But maybe that's just my love for the two guys.
1: The constant manhandling of Sister Sherry is—I like, know, I know she's a badass and I'm sure she could take it, but she fell
2: hard so I mean, many if, if, the times. If Stevie Ray catches her,
0: <laughs> then it, that doesn't look as bad as I mean, yeah. Stevie Ray has to catch her, obviously. Yeah, it just, yeah. Can't, was, can't botch that. But she has a couple of horrible. hard
2: falls in that match.
0: Yeah. I mean, but that's the stuff that she does, though. It again. is. So it is.
2: It's like she chose to do that. She knows what she's doing. She's a badass, and we love her for it. But it's just kind of one of those she looks things. Sexy as
1: fuck while she's doing it too. Yeah, she's great. Right. That's one thing I'll give WCW. They they played on the the sister Sherry sex appeal and actually let her look as good as she looks while she's out there kicking ass instead of covering her constantly in face paint or weird costumes. Yeah, but know, she's she done the weird face paint.
2: paint. Yeah. Sherry's one of those people where, like, every other show, it's like, damn, Sherry looks good. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, oh, Sherry just looks like my, like, you know, aunt. And then I mean, sometimes we she looks great.
1: Whatever fucking WrestleMania it was, yeah. I'm trying to remember when she first, her and oh, I went together. Was that before six? I think so. Yeah. Oh, the Cauldron. We yeah, were talking turn. about how she looked back then, and, you know, she looked good. Yeah, she was scary looking at times, but here we are almost six years later, and she just keeps getting better and better, but ease up on the kicking her ass constantly Yeah, cause um, i want her to stick around longer
2: remember the uh ecw promo with her and uh medusa and, medusa? <laughs> yes. and like can can we just get sherry and medusa match <laughs> we're never gonna get it but i want don't you just want it
1: what's with these gorgeous women yeah what, i want to see Sullivan yeah sherry
2: slam and leg drop and ddt <laughs> medusa so bad I don't want to see Bolnacano uh, throw Sherry. Yeah. I'm scared. I'm scared <laughs> of Bolnacano and Sherry because Sherry's a little older.
0: How about best performer of the night? I mean, scoring solely, but that's yeah, that's almost not even a performance. Because that moment's just mm-hmm. it's so, so genuine. It's the only. It's the only reason to even watch this show. I agree. Yep. It's I think that really Macho weird.
2: does really well with what he has, even though he's not. The camera does him no justice, but I think that he ha- he brings it. He completely brings it. But he always brings it. Brain has
0: a good few lines. Yeah. A few good lines. I was say Bobby had some stuff in there. And yeah, and I think that Eric was better
2: than I expected, considering.
0: If we say that Alex Wright, if the DDT on Alex Wright was probably Wright's fault, more than Arn's fault, then I'd say Arn was probably up there for me as well, because he does a good job in the main event. He does a great yeah. job. I forget keep forgetting he's doing double things, duty on this keeping show. Keeping things moving yeah, he's in, there in when spots. he he's in the...
2: He's right exactly where he needs to be when he needs to be there, whether or not it's going as planned. And I think that that last match, even though it's complete like mayhem, I think that it moves better than I, I mean, that's expected. That's WCW
0: main events for us right now. It's yeah. just complete mayhem. Yeah, it's the Hogan mayhem. Yeah. How about most surprising? I, I didn't mean, know this is
2: where the giant was showing up.
0: Well, there's that of muda, muda and Norndorf having an iwgp yeah. heavyweight yes. championship match i was, was just like
2: i'll say it's a three oh, okay. uh, a threefer in that it's those two moments and then of course we just talked about it and the reason to watch the show but the gordon Soli moment
0: uh Absolutely. is is I'll is a fourth moment the blue buds we, have, uh, we haven't seen we haven't seen eaten and regal in a little you while you know what i was
2: surprised at Bobby's chunky ass face it must have been yeah yeah he must have doubled down at Thanksgiving uh, five months before that or whatever crazy but yeah Bobby in a suit very funny Bobby with neck fat very funny yeah a thick thick old neck
0: and now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling the dusty finish Hulk Hogan had won the WWF Championship from his fellow Mega Power at WrestleMania V and would proceed to hold it for the next year until at WrestleMania VI, the Ultimate Challenge was accepted. Ultimate Warrior, born 1959 in Indiana as the oldest of five children, he would begin competing in bodybuilder competitions where he would meet a group of men, including the man called Sting who decided to form a professional wrestling team. They would make their debut in Memphis in 1985, under the guidance of Jerry Jarrett, before moving to other territories. By 1987, Warrior had joined the WWF, where his high-energy ring entrances and face paint made him a fan favorite, which led to an Intercontinental Championship run after defeating the longest reign of Honky Tonk Band's with a 27-second squash match. He would feud with Rick Rude and Andre the Giant the rest of the year, but at the Royal Rumble 1990, the Ultimate Warrior would have a confrontation with the champion, Hulk Hogan. At WrestleMania 6 on April 1st, 1990, in Toronto, Canada, Warrior and Hogan would each pin the other while the ref was out, before it was Hulk-up time. Hogan would hit the big boot and goes for the leg drop, only for the Ultimate Warrior to move out of the way. Warrior would then proceed to hit a splash to become the WWF champion. After the match, Hogan would show his respect before leaving. The Ultimate Warrior would defend his title successfully for the rest of 1990, but the real world would catch up with him as he would have to defend against the biggest heel, America had ever known.
2: Bum bum bum. Remember that purple belt? I miss that purple belt. Purple belt's so good. Because it's like a weird lavender. Yep. It's not a deep purple. It's beautiful. It's so good.
1: I miss the, all those old belts. Oh, ah, yeah. Where the warrior decided just to change the color. Sprinkle a different color on it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. he Was he the one that did the white intercontinental? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm, so good. Crazy that Wild, a guy that yellow. Yeah. They saw a guy that stinks so bad. Uh, I mean, granted, he was very over um, and had a great look and had some of the most incredible nonsensical promos.
0: That were so much fun.
2: Oh, so good. But, yeah, for him to be able to have the forethought or foresight and influence be like, I want a different piece of leather on this. (laughs) And it looks so good.
0: Next week, barbed wire Hoodies. And slam! Oh my. Oh my god. That's the name
2: of the show? That is the name put, of the show. I didn't even realize ah. they called them hoodies back. Where then. are you gonna be?
1: Motown, Motown Philly, Philly back again. No, 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 no.
0: I asked. You did <laughs> ask for it. Yeah. Music from this week's show is Raise High the Roof by Jeff Rose and Richard John Parfitt. And the Monster Maniacs won our main event. So we play American Made. Q American Jimmy
2: Made. I mean, that's what I always say when Hogan wins. it. Damn it, Savage? Why
0: couldn't
1: you have got <laughs> pin? I could have listened to at least your song. But
0: they didn't play a song. Yeah. I only play, I we, know. We, that's we established what I'm this.
1: If he would have got the pin, though, then we could have listened to his music because he
0: technically got the win.
2: I'm having this crazy brain fart where I was like, I used to make music. I was actually
0: the they had combo music, but uh, I couldn't no, find okay. anything.
2: I was, I was like, oh, why can't. Because. I always say "Q," you know, "American Made." Q, "American Made," and I was like, "What is the song before?" It's, Amer- yeah, "Real American." It's Real like, Man. yeah, why could I not remember that? But
0: I mean, we only listened to it like three million times. Uh, yeah.
2: It's a good song. You know, it's also good. It's a great song. I think "American Made's pretty good too. It is. It's <laughs> not as good, but it's, but it's kind of as close as you can get in quality.
0: If you like this episode or any of our other, other ones, please go out there and rate reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns...
1: Recipes, food ideas, beverage ideas, anything that involves Philly, because I'm running out of fucking yeah, ideas. Yeah, is there
2: some kind of like weird Philly thing we don't know about? I mean, we've
1: already had the Philly taco, and It's like, I weird. know...
0: I mean, perhaps you should look to see who's going to be on the show, oh. and perhaps think, oh... Maybe we could find a food item based on a based that on wrestler that's oh, on the show. That's a good idea. That's not a bad another, idea. Another avenue of mm-hmm, thought. Sure. I was just thinking, I was like,
2: well, there's Philadelphia cream cheese, and then there's... we
0: already had that. Yeah, yeah, but I was... But it's
2: not
1: from Philly, actually. Yeah, it's
2: yeah, yeah exactly. But I was like, well, there's Italian cheesecake and New York cheesecake, and I know there's a difference. It's like, is there such thing as Philadelphia cheesecake? Uh, I don't know. neither. Who knows? Who All cheesecake is Philadelphia cheesecake if you use... Philadelphia cream cheese, put it on a cheese
1: steak or something.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> a cheesecake steak, cheese- a, a cheese cheesecake
2: steak, cheese <laughs> steak, yep. cheesecake steak, cheesecake cheese steak. Yeah.
0: All that. But, if, but if you have any of those <laughs> things, you can email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail dot com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. X. We'll talk to you next week. Later,
1: fuck you, Terry.